leading organizations with intentionality and purpose is complex work. And dedicated leaders work tirelessly each and every day to build impactful cultures of collaboration. But effective collaboration is difficult and messy. The good news is you don't have to do it alone. Join the Jigsaw Learning Team for Leading Collaborative Response, sharing insights for leaders committed to establishing, refining, and deepening collaborative response in their organization. Once again, welcome back to Leading Collaborative Response. I am joined for this episode by my colleagues, Colette Sylvester and Marilyn Schmidtke. Hello again, ladies. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. So we have talked about preparing for collaborative team meetings as a leader. We have talked about the art of facilitating collaborative team meetings, which does not mean being the octopus, but it has very specific intent. Today, we're going to talk about common pitfalls in collaborative team meetings. So. Let's put them out there. What's one pitfall that you see in the consultations, the coaching, and the collaborative feedback that you've been doing? Well, this is fresh in some conversations that we were having previously. And I think a huge pitfall is to not set a focus for the conversation. I've experienced where, you know, I set a focus with my team members and then we felt really confident. Next time, let's just open up the conversation to whatever we need to talk about. And really, it was quite disastrous for us. We were left floundering. And yeah, it was through that lived experience that, that we said, you know what? We have to have a focus. Otherwise, it's just a generic conversation about teaching in general that really doesn't go anywhere. And we certainly did not come away with actionable items. I also think that another one is if a facilitator doesn't buy into the purpose behind a CTM, um, the tone of the meeting and um, any actions and, and brainstorming conversations kind of fall flat. If the, the facilitator uh, sort of leads the, the message with the, the team that they're doing the meeting for somebody else, um, and it's not driving the capacity building within their, their school team. So uh, I find in those situations, connecting um, facilitators and school leaders with other school facilitators or leaders uh, to have conversations about uh, those successes and why collaborative team meetings are so powerful, maybe getting them to observe a recording of one and then debrief in person with or virtually with with that school leader is really something that I've seen shift mindset. I would also say, and I know this was a pitfall for me sometimes, and and I really had to be conscientious of it. If you're an administrator and you're facilitating, it's sometimes hard to separate being in the moment of the collaborative team meeting with wearing that hat of the principal or assistant principal, where you're thinking, oh yeah, that's on my to-do list to talk to you about. And I have to, <laughs> I have to just keep those notes at the side and keep that as a separate piece from the collaborative team meeting itself. And that actually comes back to norms again, really. Mm -hmm. when, when the norms are honored and reviewed at the beginning of every meeting, 
then everybody checks themselves at the door and says, this is the purpose for why I'm here and move into it with, um, with that intention. And I think that piece too, of being able to say, what do I need to pay attention to within myself today to help support the norms for the team? I've worked with a couple of schools where distributive leadership was, was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so they started right off the bang with, okay, every time we come together for a meeting, somebody else is going to take on the roles and they tried to rotate them. And then it got into, well, that isn't how we had the meeting last time, or that's not the structure that we followed last time, or that isn't the questions that should be asked at this point. So it became a critique of the facilitator rather than having a meeting facilitated. Mm. How do we avoid that common pitfall of the rotating facilitator? I, you know, I come right back to the agenda. And I think that if you have a well-constructed agenda, here's how we follow. This is the flow of the conversation. It's also um, in part that we don't release that responsibility too quickly, that we build in some of that modeling. And maybe again, that's where a role of a co-facilitator comes in where we're gradually releasing some of that responsibility and ensuring as an admin team that we've built in the consistency pieces before we release to say, you know, here you go facilitator, you're going to do a great job. Yeah, and I I think as the the whole team, including the facilitator is learning um, the structure and the process of the meeting itself, that yeah, letting go of that role of facilitator to somebody different every week can actually morph the meeting into um, a different look depending on the team. So all of a sudden you will have five completely different meetings running in the school that have moved away from that structure and process that you intended with your leadership team to develop. And so I think as facilitator, um, to, to keep that role consistent as you're learning the process and, and honoring the structure of the, the meetings you want to have in your building um, is really important so that you kind of know what's going on. You, you know what you need to change and tweak as you go and you're having conversations about it um, so that you at the end get a collaborative team meeting that is running effectively in every single group across your school. Well, and how important it is for one of the administrators to be present at each of those collaborative team meetings as much as you possibly can. It's it's so important for those reasons that you just shared, Colette, to have your finger on the pulse of what's happening, but to also be present. So when we have a question that has to be posed to an administrator, you're already there. They don't have to come chase you down, but critical that you're there. Maybe you're not facilitating, but important that you're there just to keep a finger on on what's happening. So if we look at the structure of that meeting, I'm going to come back to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Common pitfall is skipping norms. And I know you've both stated how important they are, but I'm going to give you one more chance to reiterate it because I don't think it can be said enough. (laughs) norms are important (laughs) 
Well, even, even when I started um, collaborative team meetings within my school and, and facilitating them, um, there were some things that weren't going well. And I remember digging into collaborative response and looking at what components of the meeting that we were missing. And it was norms. Um, and what happened was uh, people weren't honoring time or there were there was a commitment to be storytelling as opposed to being solution focused and um, when we set that intention at the beginning of the meeting and everyone you know I love that idea of practicing a norm for yourself um, that's relevant mm -hmm. I think we we come back to this meeting purpose with some fidelity and you can check everything else behind you. <laughs> yeah. You are present in this meeting. Yeah. I think that's so true. Otherwise, you're, you know, you set the stage to create animosity. When some of you feel that, you know, I feel that I'm, I'm sticking to the norms and maybe not everybody is with the same fidelity. It comes back to, again, talking about what each of those norms mean to us. When I see coming prepared, it might mean something different to me than it does to the next person. So what does it look like when we say we're prepared for the conversation? Pick those norms apart, talk about them individually, and don't be afraid to do that a couple of times through the year. When we have new staff join the team, come back to the norms and say, you know, we want to make sure that we include even our new folks to the team for them to be able to review and, and for us to say, is there anything that you see from your perspective that you would like to add to our list as opposed to the norms that you all set? No, these are the norms that we set and that we revisit every time we welcome somebody new to the team. Norms, first part of the meeting, celebrations being the next. Mm -hmm. You talk about coming prepared to the meeting as being a norm, I know that our pre-meeting organizers include the section about bring a student to celebrate. There is a reason we talk about bringing a student to celebrate so that we don't have blanket celebrations, which is another common pitfall. You know, I want to celebrate my entire grade one class for being able to do this. Yeah. How do we as leaders avoid that pitfall? Well, I, I think it's exactly what you just said we can acknowledge and I can say, oh, it's so great to hear that the grade ones have found some success, but let's focus in on some of those individual kids. Are there some specific kids from grade one that you would like to recognize? And in time, as we get comfortable in the role of facilitating, we bring the data to the table. And with that data visible, I might be able to look at it at my elbow and say, hey, what about Jen? I see some improvements here. Tell me about that. What's happening for her? So I gently bring that back into the intended purpose. Yeah, I like that. When we go back to always the, what do you think you did as a teacher mm -hmm. to impact the success of the student? That's when we really drive home the, the connection between our practice and the things that we change and differentiate for students that make a difference. And that's really what we want to start the meeting with is that intentionality of 
what what can I change in my practice and what have I done in my practice that's um, allowed a student, one particular student to be successful. And being in tune yourself as, as a facilitator to be able to maybe you, you have a little review of some of that data beforehand, or if you know it's a team member who maybe struggles in identifying a celebration, just for me to be in tune and to have a celebration from that classroom that I can help bring forward or that I can say, you know, Jen, what about, what about Colette? The other day I saw, so I can just nudge that celebration. Yeah. So going through the structure again, norms, mm -hmm. celebrations. Now we're into talking about students, but rather than talking about students, we're focusing in on the key issue. There are a lot of pitfalls that can happen around a key issue. Mm -hmm. We run out of time because of the backstory. You know, we we have interrupting that's happening with with details about said student, right? So everybody wants their turn to share. How do we avoid that pitfall of the key issue being all of this mm -hmm. and hone in so we can have a productive conversation? I think as a facilitator, if if right away you acknowledge that a teacher's brought forth a student and you focus in and restate the key issue, it, mm -hmm. moves, it moves the focus from the student to the key issue. And what happens then is you have uh, less of a chance of backstory taking over for one, but you also have less of a chance of other teachers in the room checking out because you're not talking about anything that they know about that student. And I've seen that definitely at the middle school and high school level um, where you've got uh, teachers that will check out right away because you're not talking about a student that they know. Whereas if as a facilitator, you draw attention to the key issue, you restate it, and then you say, does anyone else have any students who've struggled with this key issue? Right away, you're going to engage more of the room and the focus then is on strategies that support that key issue. I like to preface that section as well by saying <clears throat> we understand that every student has a story and while those stories of course are very important for us and for the purpose of this conversation and the precious amount of time that we have available to affect change for our kids please limit your key issue to five words or less. We've been through a team meeting now, right? We've had our celebrations. We've gone through the norms. We've talked about students and identified the actions. I've just gone bang, 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 bang. <laughs> Total pitfall there because I just made it a checklist. How do leaders ensure that those meetings have meaning and that they're not just a checklist or for show? Well, I don't know about you, Colette, or for you, Jen, but um, I can see that meaning really taking root when we, we, we engage in that synergetic conversation around strategies. The, the collaborative team meetings that I've either watched or I've been part of, I can see that shift, you know, that twinkle in eyes 
when we get to that very spot in the conversation where, where there's the synergy and somebody says, oh, this strategy and somebody else says, oh yeah, hey, I have the resources for that. I can absolutely share them with you. And it just builds and builds. There's an excitement around that. And then there's the action items. It's yes, we've generated some great ideas. I don't have to stress about figuring this all out on my own as an individual teacher and worrying about that tonight on my drive home. I have some plans in place. Yeah, and I like the idea that the facilitator doesn't step out, but during the, the brainstorming, um, certainly the teachers and, and educational assistants are, are the greatest voice and mm -hmm. that you continue to facilitate by maybe asking questions, making sure that after all of the strategies have been shared and documented by the recorder, um, that everyone takes out an, an actionable item. So you really are kind of just navigating as opposed to taking over that brainstorm. And I've seen that happen where the principal or the facilitator will take over that or add something to everybody else's conversation. So if one teacher gives a suggestion as to a strategy, then the facilitator talks and talks and talks. And then the next person, whereas if the facilitator just kind of says, let's brainstorm mm -hmm. and let the, the teachers and the EAs lead that part and I know that people often ask well how do I know when to stop that conversation because it is it is synergetic in many cases and I hate to interrupt it but it's that you know I feel if you have five or six great strategies that's where I can say oh this is fantastic we have several strategies we can pick from and there was such you know, so many great ideas. Maybe we can table that for the collab planning time. So Marilyn, I've heard you talk a lot about the reflective process as a school leader. So having sat in the role of principal, you've talked about, you know, recognizing the nuances of the conversation and having that list of questions for yourself that you've walked away at from a collaborative team meeting with. What are some of those things? Well, I think some of those pieces that Colette just identified. I keep at my elbow a list of, you know, questions around professional learning, that maybe something is happening where, where we've identified an issue and we're trying to generate some strategies, but we've got a lot of crickets, <laughs> right? A lot of spinning wheels. That isn't the fault of my staff. That's perhaps a flag that, you know what, maybe we don't know a whole lot around that particular issue, or maybe we're having a little bit of trouble with differentiating to support kids in this specific area. So there's a note that I make at the side. Maybe I've made a note, somebody has brought up something that they've done with a student that's garnered great success. I'm making a note that I want to touch base with them. We've talked about making meaning of collaborative team meetings for the staff, and we've talked about the various pitfalls. So as a leader slash facilitator, what is the value for me in being a part of that collaborative team meeting? Well, I think it, there's, there's a couple things that stick out for me. One of them 
being um, when you are utilizing data to inform conversations, uh, you get a, a a sense of what's going on in terms of pedagogy for your your teachers. You also quickly come to realize where there might be some gaps in uh, the professional development of teachers within your building and uh, where you can fill in some things that are needed um, throughout the year in terms of timelines. So I also think that when you're taking on that role as a facilitator, you get to see what's going on in the different teams within your building. And um, when things like observations are going to be something that are going to be effective, when you've got one uh, collaborative team meeting that is running really, really effectively, how can you um, make sure that everybody in the school has an opportunity to observe that meeting? Are there some things that you can set up to build the capacity of the team just in having those meetings? And so I think that um, there's true value in that. Yeah, and I agree 100%. And it's it's always about closing that loop for me or considering, you know, each meeting, each conversation is a springboard into the next, next action. So I 100% I agree with you. Marilyn and Colette, as always, your experience and wisdom provides great guidance to our audience. So thank you both so much for taking the time to review some of the common pitfalls of collaborative team meetings and how we can overcome them. Ensuring success for all students is a moral imperative for all schools, but it takes a highly coordinated framework of structures and processes to maximize the collective capacity of the team. In Collaborative Response, three foundational components that transform how we respond to the needs of learners, we share an organizational mindset that involves fundamental shifts for schools and districts. Numerous school and district examples, as well as access to a large number of resources, are provided within the text and in the accompanying companion website. Join the growing number of schools using Collaborative Response to ensure high levels of success for students and staff, stemming from the essential belief that every child deserves a team. Marilyn and Colette talked about some common pitfalls in collaborative team meetings, and they are common because they're going to happen. They cannot be avoided necessarily, but they can have action taken so that they can be outgrown. As part of the conversation that I had with them, there are three ideas that really stood out. The one, and we're going to keep coming back to it, the importance of those norms. They set the tone for the meeting. They provide a third objective space to go back and say, are we honoring how we said we would come together in this process? They provide an opportunity for reflection on how do I need to do what I'm doing in this space to be present for this meeting. The second thing that stood out for me was the intentionality with which collaborative team meetings are structured. So the structure of the agenda, they both mentioned, but really the intentionality is in finding out what have we done that have helped students be successful in the past 
or find success at this time and bringing that to a place of what can we do to address this key issue and help these students find success. And the last thing that highlighted through the final question is truly the value of the collaborative team meeting. That space where staff can brainstorm ideas and feel empowered in identifying the action they want to take to support their students. And the value for administrators in being present in those meetings so that they are aware of the pedagogy that's being practiced in their classrooms so that they can identify opportunities for professional learning to support their staff and enhance their practice. And so that they can close any loops in communication from one meeting, one layer to the next. For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again to continue to build your own capacity in leading collaborative response in your context.